You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Well, this morning, uh, before I get started, I wanted to just say a couple of things. First thing is this, is that as a church, we believe that there's never been a better time for believers to be involved in every area of society, especially politics. Praise the Lord. Right now, there are four open seats on the Woodland City Council. And I would ask that you begin to pray, if you live in the city limits, whether you should run for one of those city council seats. Uh, I have been on the city council about 10 10 years plus ago. And uh, if you need to know what that looks like, come and find me. But I want to see believers, I want to see sons or daughters of God begin to be placed in places of influence in our community. So... If you have a desire to do that, you need to actually file within the next two weeks. If you're watching, uh, you need to file within the next two weeks. And uh, I would love to see our city council be filled with people who love Jesus, who have a vision to see the gospel transform this city. Amen. Amen. So if you want to do that, come and find me uh, afterwards. and I'd love to chat with you about that. Uh, But grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Verse 8, it's going to be up on the screen. I'm going to read it for you if you aren't already there, which if you are there by now, you'd be very prophetic and fast. Uh, It says this, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. I came here this morning to tell you that there is power in your praise. There is power in your worship, but, and it is a giant but. Sometimes there are big buts in the Bible. This is one of them. There is power in your praise, but if you do not walk in righteousness, your worship will be in vain and void of power. There is power in your worship, but if you do not walk in righteousness, Your worship will be in vain and void of power. We today are ending our series on worship titled True Worshippers, which is where Jesus said that there will be people who will worship me in spirit and in truth, that these are the true worshipers. What does that mean? And over this last week, I've just been praying and asking the Lord to speak to me specifically on how to end this. And he began to speak to me, he said, Aaron, teach them what it looks like when it's not worship. Tell them when worship becomes powerful and tell them the effect of powerful praise. When is it not worship? When does it become powerful and what happens when it becomes powerful? A couple of weeks ago, my brother, Pastor Jonathan, talked about why we worship. We worship because of who he is. We worship because he is holy. We worship because he is worthy of all of our praise. It is nothing that we deserve. What we deserve is death, but yet because of who he is, because of his goodness, he has provided a way and we get to praise him every day of our life. We do not praise him for what we can get, but we praise him for who he is. Wasn't that a great message? That our bodies are actually an instrument made by God to give praise and adoration to Jesus. And then a couple weeks ago, myself and my beautiful wife and the beautiful Pastor Casey, there's a lot of beautiful people that were on stage at that moment, uh, we talked about the expressions of worship. 
how there is a body language of love. All of the wives in this place know that there is a body. You wives, you don't just listen with your ears. You listen with your eyeballs. Any wives know what I'm talking about? Husbands may say something, but their body says something completely different. The same is true in worship. That there is a body language. You may be saying words with your mouth, but your body looks like you hate the world. Some of you need to tell your face that you love Jesus when you're worshiping. The Bible talks about a body language of worship. That there are nine different expressions of worship in Scripture. There is the bowing down. There is the lifting of hands. There is shouting. There is singing. There is standing. There is dancing. All these different expressions. And that we are to express our love and affection to Jesus. So if you're in a worship service here and you're wondering why are people uh, responding the way they are. It is not because the music is great, although it sounded good. It is not because the songs are great, although they are good is because we are modeling the way the scripture says that worship is supposed to look like this is what worship looks like and then today we're going to talk about when do we worship when does worship become powerful and when is it not worship write this down first thing is this worship is not about you your feelings or your circumstances worship is never about you it is not seasonal. It is not based upon how you feel today. It is not based upon how good your morning was, how great your marriage is, how great your finances are. It is never seasonal because that means it's not about him anymore. It's simply about you. So worship is never manipulated by your circumstances. We shared this story a number of times about our son Zion. My wife was basically full-term, gave birth to a stillborn baby. For three days, we stayed in a hospital room with our dead baby in the room with us and we just worship Jesus. We brought in a giant boom box. The entire maternity ward could hear us worshiping as we worship God, regardless of whether our baby came back to life or not, although we were praying for resurrection power, but we worshiped because he was good. Our worship is not dictated based upon what we're going through, but it is about who he is. Amen. In Habakkuk 3, you know it's going to be good when Habakkuk was just mentioned in a message. Habakkuk 3 says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls or present day translation, though there's no money in your bank account, no food in your pantry, no friends to call upon, though there are no answers to your problems, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. We need some Christians who will be living a life that says, yet I will rejoice regardless of what I go through. Whether he answers my prayer, whether he answers my need, whether I'm stuck in this position, whether my marriage never improves, yet I will rejoice. Because my worship is not dictated based upon what I go through. James chapter 3 verse 16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. When worship is about you, it is demonic. Let me say it this way. When worship is about you, it is witchcraft. Lucifer, previous to becoming Satan, Lucifer was in heaven 
leading the worship services. And God made him specifically beautiful. He had instruments in his body. And pretty soon he thought, I should be the one that should be receiving the worship. I have needs and wants as well that became more important than God receiving the praise and adoration from all of heaven. And he fell because he placed himself in worship above God. And he fell from heaven and took one third of all the angels with him. When worship is about you, it is demonic. When you worship and it becomes about your needs getting met, what you are doing is you are taking your needs and you are placing them above the worthiness of God. You are exalting your needs above God. You are exalting your problems. I will worship you, God, and I'm just praising you so that you will fix my children. You are placing your problems above God. That is demonic in nature. It is self-worship, and it is idolatry. It is worshiping yourself rather than him. When worship is about you, it is demonic. Y'all follow me? And there is, not, not only is there an epidemic where people just worship for what they could get, but they worship cognizant and aware, too aware of what other people are thinking around them. That we may be experiencing God, but because of our spouse or our children or somebody we don't know or we do know around us, we refuse to be expressive because we're trying to protect our pride. Which, let's just be honest, pride is a spirit. There is a spirit of pride. And so when you say, I'm just trying to protect my pride, what you're actually saying is that demonic bondage that you're in, you're trying to protect it. And that demonic spirit that lives inside of you is trying to create you feel, feeling insecure, feeling aware, trying to protect your reputation so that you will not be free in your worship. And you're trying to protect your reputation. And actually, what's up, dude? I love you. What you're trying to do is you are denying your relationship with Christ so that you impress those around you. I am denying my love for Jesus to impress those around me. When worship becomes about you, it is demonic. When worship becomes about trying to protect your reputation, what you're actually doing is protecting a demonic spirit that is inside of you that needs to leave. And that pride can be broken and you can be free to worship Jesus. And some of us don't even know how to express our love for Jesus. Even today, I think it was Pastor Casey said, just begin to worship. And let's be honest, after about 10 seconds, the majority of us in this room forgot what to say. We didn't even know what to say after that. We're like, can we please sing a song so I don't sound foolish right now? If somebody asked me to express my love to my wife and I could not come up with something after 10 or 20 seconds, she'd be like, bro, do you even love her? But it doesn't shock us when we don't know what to say about God after 10 seconds. If somebody asks me to express my love to my wife, I'm like, babe, the way that you laugh makes me happy. The joy in your life, the way that you experience hardships yet find joy in them, the peace that covers in you and you fill our home, the way that you go to bed and you wake up earlier or, or the next morning and you look even better the next day than you did the day before. Like the way that you laugh makes me happy. The wrinkles on your face, even though that you may not like them, and the freckles, even though you may not like them, I look at them like, baby, that looks good. 
I can go on, but we're like, oh God, I love you and I love you and I, I, I love you and I, I, we don't even know what to say. We need to go to the gym of expression and start working out the muscle of how to express our love to Jesus. And you're like, how do I even express my love to him? Go work out in your prayer closet by yourself and learn how to love on Jesus. It's actually shameful that the body of Christ does not know how to spend even 20 or 30 seconds. I mean, you, you just watched it this morning. He said, just begin to sing your own song. It was silent. We don't even know what to say because our, our well and our hearts can be so shallow, so superficial, that if he didn't do something great for us in the moment, we don't even know what to say. And we just begin to thank God for what he's done rather than for, for who he is. If my daughter just said to me, Dad, thank you for this sandwich. Dad, thank you for this bed. Dad, thank you for this house. Dad, thank you for what you've done. But he nev- she never thanked me for, for being her dad. She never thanked me for loving her. That would hurt my heart. It's not just about thanking God for what he's done, but it's about thanking God for who he is. God, I love you. I love the beauty of your name. You are so worthy of my praise. You are the beginning and the end. With you, there is no life. You are the name that brings hope. Father, I love the glory of your splendor, the majestic presence of you. It gives me strength and life. God, I love hearing your voice. You begin to communicate as if you are speaking in love to a person, and that is what you are doing. You are speaking love to a person man named Jesus. Worship is not about you, your feelings, or your circumstances. In Psalms 34 verse 1, it says, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. No matter what happens, I will praise Jesus. Number two, worship is a weapon. So number one, Number one is worship is not about you, your feelings, or your circumstances. Number two is worship is a weapon for the righteous. Worship is a weapon, not period, but for the righteous. I wrestled with this one because whenever you worship, something happens. When you worship, your eyes get off of what you're going through and they get onto Jesus. But there is worship that touches the heart of God. There is worship that breaks the chains. There is worship that brings freedom. I want to know about that worship. What is that worship? And we know in, in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, in view of God's mercy, in, in light of what he's done, in recognition of how amazing and how good God is, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Worship is not a song. Worship is not music. Worship is a life surrendered to God. A life that is surrendered on the sacrifice to God on the altar to the Lord and then the next verse it says and do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind do not be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind worship is not whether you lift your hands or not worship is whether your life glorifies God when you're not in the church building 
How do you live when you're not in the church building? How do you treat those who don't like you? How do you treat those who don't vote like you? How honest are you on your taxes? How do you work at work? Or do you, do you honor your boss? Are you greedy? Do you live a life of jealousy? Do you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your life? Does your life honor God? That is worship. See, when I love my wife, I'm worshiping Jesus. When I'm honoring those around me, when I stop and I listen to the Holy Spirit and I love those around me, that is worship to Jesus. Worship to God happens more outside of a worship service than it happens inside of a worship service. Because worship is about your life being surrendered to him. Isaiah 29 verse 13. Isaiah 29 verse 13 says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. On religion, on what makes you feel comfortable, on what feels normal, on what makes you happy. Worship comes into so many rules and regulations to try to create numbers and momentum. When worship is not about your rules, it's not about how you feel. And then Jesus takes it one step further. He says in Matthew 15, verse 8, we read at the beginning, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. What worship is in vain. Worship from a life that is not surrendered to Jesus is in vain. Worship from a life that is full of compromise, that is full of sin, that honors him with their lips, but their life is far from him is done in vain. This is the word of God. And you were like, I thought my worship was always good. When worship comes from a heart, remember worship is not the words, it's the heart. When worship comes from a heart of somebody who just plays the game but doesn't live for him, it is done in vain. You are merely playing a game at that point. Let's just think on that for a moment. How often has our worship been in vain? We came and we thought we were giving God praise, but really, he did not want to hear it because it came from a hypocritical perspective. It came from a hypocritical lifestyle. said, I'll, I'll honor you with my lips, but my heart will be far from you. Psalms 51, verse 16 says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. More than a sacrifice of praise, God wants a life of obedience and surrender. And Samuel says, obedience is better than sacrifice. So what God would prefer is rather than you come and go through the motions and lift your hands and sing out, he would prefer that you live like Jesus outside the church and you begin to tell your coworker about the goodness of God. You begin to love the unloved. You begin to disciple those who need Jesus. You begin to live like him when you're driving on the road and somebody cuts you off. You begin to treat your wife right. You begin to love your children even when you don't understand them. You begin to do what God has actually called you to do and you emulate your life after Jesus. Not give lip service. Obedience is better than sacrifice. 
And we mask the compromise in our life by raising our hands in worship. And we convince ourselves we're just fine. Lip service means this. Allegiance expressed in words, but not backed by deeds. Allegiance expressed in words. God, you're so good. King of kings and Lord of lords. You're the one I came here for. Expressed in words, but I go live like hell when I leave the building. Feel like I'm in heaven in here, but my life looks like hell out there. Worship from a life that's not surrendered is done in vain. Titus 1, 16. It says they profess to know God, but their actions, but by their actions they deny and disown him. Watch this. They are detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good work of any kind. When you live a life of professing with your lips but denying Jesus by your actions, you are detestable to God. The Bible says that I prefer you to be either hot or cold, but if you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. You might be like, well, how do I live a life of righteousness? How is that even possible? Righteousness is not perfection. Righteousness is not you being perfect every day in every decision. It, righteousness is a life that is surrendered to Jesus where you've laid down your will and said, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life and I will obey. When you speak, I will move. It is a life where sin does not hold you captive. You are not bound in addiction and compromise, but you have submitted yourself to the Lord and his will, his lordship reigns in your life, not you. The world will try to convince you that righteousness and holiness is not attainable. Thus, the addictions and the compromise in your life, celebrate them, try to manage them, and actually we'll just create Facebook's group and, and get everybody together who has the same problems and you all just make each other happy. The world will try to convince you and lie to you that you can't be righteous. It is a lie. The, the word of God says that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You can be free. I was once in addiction, now I'm free. I was once in pride, now I'm free. I was once in fear, now I am free. You can be free. Are you listening with me this morning to what the Lord is saying? Proverbs 15 verse eight says, the Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked. There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible about worship that the Lord does not ask for, that he does not want. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. Notice the wicked gave a sacrifice. They came into the house of the Lord and they gave a sacrifice. You may be in church giving a sacrifice to the Lord and he detests it because your life is full of wickedness. Mom, we don't play games here. We're not trying to create a church with a bunch of people who feel good about themselves. We want the spirit of God to come and to fill this city, to fill this building. And he comes to a place of holiness. When people have laid down their life and said, not, at my, my, not my will, but your will be done. 
James 5, 16. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is telling his disciples, do not pray like the Pharisees. Not all prayer is the same. The Pharisees were praying. The Pharisees were reading the Bible. The Pharisees were worshiping God. But he says, do not pray like them because their prayer is all about themselves. They are not living a life of righteousness, thus their prayers are ineffective and void of power. Worship is the same. Worship from a righteous person is powerful, can move mountains, can bring freedom, can shift an environment, can, can create a move of God in a city. Worship is powerful when done from a heart that is surrendered to Jesus. Amen. Great word. No, stop. I got it. I'll do it. Are you listening this morning or are you all just sinking in your chair as conviction is setting in the heart? As I've been studying this, I'm like, oh, dear God, how many times have I been in a worship service giving praise to you full of sin and you're sitting there like it's all in vain, Aaron. Let's look at the story of Mary and Martha. Martha's in there doing all of the cooking in, in the kitchen, making a meal Jesus never asked for, while Mary is sitting there at the feet of Jesus, staring at him, basking in his glory, loving upon him, just, just not even breaking contact with his eyes. Martha, her, her offering, her sacrifice was in vain. The Lord didn't want it. Mary... At the feet of Jesus, still present, loving upon him, surrendered to him, worshiping him. And here's where worship becomes a weapon. A little later, Jesus is in a dinner and Mary is there and she begins to break the alabaster jar and pours it upon Jesus' feet. Begins to weep and wipe Jesus' feet and the Pharisees are there and the disciples are there. And they begin to criticize Mary. How dare she do that? How dare she give herself to you like that? Jesus stops them and says what she is doing right now will be told about wherever the gospel is preached. And he defends her. When you worship Jesus from a place of holiness, a place of reverence, a place of honor... He defends you. He fights for you. When you worship him in spirit and in truth, he fights on your behalf. In 2 Chronicles, there's a story of the Israelites as they're facing a vast army. And it says, in chapter 20, verse 21, it says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. They didn't praise him for the victory. They praised him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. As they were praising the Lord, 
as the worshipers went out in front of the army. You want to want, you want to know how do I fight what I'm going through? How do I, how do I stand strong? How do I defeat darkness? Worship begins the process. Which means if you're in a, in a, in, in trouble, you're in a dire situation, you're facing an impossibility, your first action should be worship. Worship starts the defense. In fact, I would say worship begins the offense. They begin to worship God, not for the victory, but because of his splendor of his holiness. Their worship was not, oh God, will you come and help me? The worship is, wow, God, you are majestic. You are holy and righteous, the perfect one. And as they begin to worship him, the Lord sent ambushes on their behalf and defeated the enemy. They didn't even have to fight. The Lord destroyed them. Are we excited about the fact that worship can be a weapon? I feel like I'm speaking to about eight people in the room right now. So I'll talk to you guys. The story in Acts, Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas have just been thrown into prison. Their legs have been bound. Their hands have been bound. But the devil forgot to do something, to shut their mouth. And they begin to sing, which I'll tell you, when they begin to say in our state, you cannot sing in church, something just, I was like, oh, devil, you just showed your hand a little bit right there. You will not shut my mouth from praising the Lord. I will sing as loud as I possibly can. The Bible says that if, if you will not sing, even the rocks will cry out. Why? Because he is so worthy, something must praise him. He is just that good. If you won't open your mouth and do it, a rock will do it. And so Paul and Silas, they're in prison, bound up. We know the story. They begin to sing. They begin to praise God. As they begin to worship the chains on their arms fall off. The chains on their feet fall off. In fact, the chains on those prisoners with them fall off. The prison doors open and they're set free. Worship is a weapon for the righteous. As they begin to praise God and not look, it said it was at midnight. They could have been, they could have been depressed they could have been angry at the lord they could have been worried and scared they just been whipped flogged beaten they're probably bloody and bruised but yet they chose to not make worship be about them or their feelings or their circumstances they chose to worship god because he is worthy of praise so whether i'm in a palace or whether I'm in a prison, I will worship Jesus. Whether I'm alive or whether I'm feeling dead, I will worship Jesus. Whether I like the song or I hate the song, I will worship Jesus. Whether it's too loud or it's too quiet, I will worship Jesus because he is worthy. And then worship becomes a weapon. Worship is a weapon for the righteous. If you're wondering why has worship not moved mountains in my life, I would check your life. Worship is not the problem. The power of worship is not in question. 
it is the life of the one giving it that is in question worship will always break chains worship will always bring freedom it is the one who is giving it is whether it will be filled with power or whether it will be done in vain so if worship is a problem for you and is awkward for you and you have a hard time expressing yourself i'm telling you you need to be set free and delivered because worship that is about you is demonic and in this place, every demonic spirit must leave because there's only one spirit welcome here, and it is the Holy Spirit. So number one, worship is not about you, your feelings, or your circumstances. Number, th- number two is worship is a weapon for the righteous. And number three is worship creates a place where the Holy Spirit resides. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. When we worship, he fills the room. You're going through something, when you worship, he fills your life. You're going through mental hurdles and feeling anxious and depressed and worried and scared. When you worship, he fills your mind. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And when he shows up, things change. It gets crazy when he comes. When we worship, it creates a place for the power of God to move. Let me read you a couple of stories of what happens when people truly worship the Lord. Second Chronicles 5, 11 through 14 says the priests then withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. Let me say it another way. We are the priests in the New Testament. We are a royal priesthood. They consecrated themselves. When you create a life of consecration to the Lord, surrender to Him, no compromise in your life, regardless of their divisions, regardless of your background, regardless of your strengths, regardless of whether you're an all-star, regardless of whether you just got saved yesterday, regardless of who you are, when you consecrate yourself, then this happens. All the Levites who are musicians, Asaph, Heman, and another name that I don't know, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen and playing trumpets. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets and drums and electric guitars. And the singers praised, raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang. They raised their voices. They raised them. They didn't whisper them. Why? Because they could care less what anybody around them thought. They cared so much more about Jesus. And they sang, he is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, the glory of God. And the priests could not even perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. If you want to know what we're after as leaders of this church, it's this right here. We don't even want to perform our services because we want the presence of God to come in and fill. And we've even, we, will, we will prostrate ourselves for hours before the Lord before we even want to speak a message. We just want the glory of God to fall. There's stories in Brazil where they would literally worship and fire engines, fire trucks would be called because it looked like fire was coming from the building to those walking by. The fire trucks would show up and they would go up to the room where literally from the outside fire was coming from the building. But yet a prayer service, a worship service was happening. But the glory of God came as fire and rested upon them. And you're like, is that even scriptural? Read Acts chapter 2. 
Second Chronicles 7, just a couple of chapters later, it says, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. I'm telling you, when he shows up, it will wreck whatever theology you had about who God is. He is not some ethereal thing up in the sky. He is in, he is power. He is lightning. He is thunderous. He is mighty. And those who encounter him tremble. It says, when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down in the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord. Here these lines are again. He is good. His love endures forever. And you're like, that's so great. That was Second Chronicles. That's Old Testament. My Bible says that the glory of the latter house will be greater than that of the former house. That what we see in the Old Testament will experience even greater things today. That God doesn't just want to move in little ways in your life and give you little goosebumps. He wants to invade your life with power, with fire, with splendor, with healing, with freedom, with salvation. And he's looking for people who will consecrate themselves to the Lord to say, God, I want to die to self. I want to take up my cross and I want to follow him. Maybe you're like, what about all those people who don't know God? What about all those people who are just getting saved? Jesus says he will leave the 99 for the one. This is a message not not to those people who are lost and are coming to be found, but to us in this building who have been saved, who know the Lord, who can profess with our lips, but can deny him with our life. The Bible says that he celebrates over one coming to Jesus than over 99 people like us patting ourselves on the back, feeling good about the lip service we just gave him. But yet our life is full of compromise and sin. The Bible says that narrow is the gate and very few find it. Are you finding it? Or are you doing everything you can to widen it out? My sin. There's got to be room for that. The words out of your mouth, the thoughts that you think, the way you interact with your spouse, the way you work, the way you honor your boss, the way you're honest on your taxes. You know those little areas you compromise in? Those little areas you feel like, I've got good reasons and excuse. You're allowing compromise in your life. And we try to circumvent the cross rather than walking through it and dying to ourselves. Why don't you stand with me? I have a feeling that when you see Jesus, you will wish you had given more to him. When you actually see Jesus, you will wish you had given him more. You have wished that you had worshiped him longer. You will wish you had spent more time with him. You will wish you had cared less about what everyone else around you thought and you only cared about Jesus. When you actually see him, you'll wonder, why did I hesitate? Because he's that good. And this morning, if you are bound in sin, if you have compromise in your life and you need to get right with God, I want you to come up right now. 
If you have sin in your life and you need to get right with God, your worship has been in vain, I want you to come right now to the front. If you have compromise in your life, There's more of you. We'll keep waiting. If you are listening to me speak and your heart was beating 100 miles an hour because you're like, oh, dear God, is he talking about my life? Come up right now. You've been living a life of lip service to the Lord, but yet your life does not look anything like his. You've got addiction. You've got bondage. You've got sin. on another 30 seconds so that you don't wait I believe that this morning that you're going to get free if you have sin in your life and you need to repent to the Lord come up right now come on man come on anybody else come up if you came forward I just want you to begin to repent before the Lord first come with a repentant heart Father forgive me forgive me for the life that I've been living. Forgive me for the hypocritical life I've been living. Forgive me for the lie that I've been living in my life. Begin to repent, be specific. Forgive me for the addiction. Forgive me, Father, for carrying this unforgiveness. Forgive me, Father, for living in this sin, for this lust and this addiction to pornography. Forgive me for this anger. Forgive me for this doubt that I've been carrying. If that's you, I want you to begin to ask right now for forgiveness. Begin to repent. The Lord is looking for righteous sons, righteous daughters to begin to worship Him with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength with your life. Today, God, today we lay down our pride. We lay down our fears. We lay down our reputations. God, it's not about us any longer. Worship is not about me any longer. It's simply you. Continue just to be praying. Continue to ask the Lord to fill you with His Spirit right now. The rest of you, if you did not come forward, I want you to look at me. This morning, we have an amazing privilege. We've got about another 15 minutes where we can worship the Lord and we're going to see the glory of God fill this room. When the righteous praise the Lord, He responds. When we begin to exalt His name over our name, when we begin to lift up his righteousness his love when we begin to glorify him declaring his goodness he fills the praises of his people so everybody in this room just begin to lift your hands to the lord everybody in this room begin to lift your hands to the lord and i want you to begin to open your mouth to jesus i want you to begin to worship him i want you to begin to love upon him i want you to begin to dig deep into the well of your heart and begin to love him this is not about you. This is not about what somebody is listening to you. This is not about what you can get. This has nothing to do with you. It is all about Jesus. Come on, just begin to lift your voice. Begin to lift your voice to Jesus. He is worthy of all of your praise. Worthy is the Lamb of God. 
There's a lot of tension in the room right now. Like there, there's just I feel resistance from from fear, from feeling uncomfortable. And so what we do best here at the Promise Church is we run towards the uncomfortable because it's generally there where we find freedom. It's generally there where religious spirits get broken and where freedom comes. 
So if you do feel uncomfortable with what we're about to do, that is fine. Uh, but I encourage you to participate because on the other end of your willingness to break through your fear and uncomfortableness is generally going to be freedom that you've never experienced before. So we're going to lift up a shout and this shout is going to, is going to break the walls in you. There are some of you who, who are out in your seats and you need to come forward right now because you've been restricted in your praise to the Lord. And right now, I want you to come up. If you're feeling uncomfortable, if you're feeling like I need to break through this tension when it comes to my praise, I want you to come up. Come up right now. All right, that means we're all ready to jump in. You ready? All right. Everybody in this room, I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to begin to pray out in the Holy Spirit. Everybody in this room, begin to pray out in the Holy Spirit. Don't stop. Don't stop. Come on, begin to pray out loud in the Holy Ghost. Out loud. Begin to pray out loud in the Holy Ghost. If you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, I just want you to begin to pray in English. And on the count of three, we're going to begin to lift up our voice. We're going to lift up a shout of praise. Here we go. One, two, three. Jesus!
right now. Come on, every voice. bound in sin. I just want you to put your hand on your heart. Ministry team, if you're around them, put your hands on them. We just want to pray that they get filled right now with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come right now. If you came forward because you feel bound and you need to be free, Holy Spirit, come right now and touch every individual that needs to be free. Bring freedom in Jesus' name. Specifically, freedom from doubt and shame. If you've been struggling with doubt, wondering, is this real? Is God real? Why am I even here? What's happening in my body right now? Why am I feeling this way? Doubt, go in Jesus' name. We, we come against confusion in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. The fire of God, come and touch every individual. The fire that purifies, the fire that sets free, the fire that validates and brings fresh identity, the fire that comes and removes everything that is not of you, every area of compromise, every area of addiction, every area of sin. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. No longer do we want to just give you lip service, but Lord, we want to give you our life. So Lord, we lay down our lives today. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill us in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit, come in every area, in every secret corner, in the dark places of our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Begin to say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission. Begin to say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. Welcome Him. Welcome Him. I give you this area. I give you this area of sin. I give you this area of unforgiveness. I give you this area of unrepentance. I give you this area of bitterness. I give you this area. Begin to give it to Him. Holy Spirit, come. I surrender to you.